Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I'm Steve Risser, along here with Justin D'Onofrio. And we got a busy show today. I mean, we got the NHL getting back on the ice, NBA getting back on the court. We got, you know, unfortunately, COVID issues in uh, baseball and a little bit in football, especially affecting one team close to us. And uh, but we're going to start with uh, we're going to start with a, a crazy incident last night. I mean, between the Astros and the Dodgers. I mean, uh, it started in the uh, sixth inning, bottom of the sixth inning, when uh, uh, reliever Joe Kelly hit, uh, hit uh, threw behind uh, uh, Alex Bregman, ended up hitting him. He, he went to first and then threw up and in on, on Gurriel. And then he threw up and in on uh, Correa. And then uh, uh, then after after that, he ended up striking out Correa and then gives Correa a little bit of face and they start jawing and then the bench is clear. And, and, all, and, all, and all hell breaks loose after that. I mean, we know the history between these two teams. I mean, the Astros uh, in the 2017 World Series were accused of cheating against the Dodgers. The Dodgers players were not happy about that at all. And it, and it, and it showed last night. I mean, this was a crazy incident. I mean, the thing is, I was, watching the, I was watching the whole game until close to that point. Then I went over to SportsCenter to see what was going on with the, with the COVID-19 stuff. And then I say, on, and I see on SportsCenter that they, they say, "Oh, crazy incident in the Dodgers Astros game." Then I slip it back and I see the replay of it, and it, and it was. It, I mean, they really can't have a bench wearing brawl now with COVID, but still, it was a it was a crazy incident, and the and uh, the Dodgers just they didn't wait. They did not wait to start. <laughs> they didn't wait to start anything with the Astros. They they just went right at it. Justin, your thoughts? Yeah, they did. Um, you know. I was a little interested what was going to happen because in a 60 game season, you know, and with already the Dodgers having Kershaw on the DL, um, Alex would just get on DL yesterday. And with David Price already opting out, I didn't, I wouldn't, I thought if anything was going to happen, it was going to be the first inning. And then with, you know, with every, all the pitching, the Dodgers right now, you know, they can't afford to lose anybody else. So I think um, Bueller, you know, didn't do it, you know, didn't want to do anything, they want to start anything. And then, but the thing about Joe Kelly is too, he wasn't on that Dodgers team in 2017. And he was on the, the Boston Red Sox back in 2018 when they're also, you know, accused of cheating. Not as bad as the Astros, but they were also accused, which is interesting. But, but don't forget, he was on that Red Sox team in 17 that played the Astros in the ALDS and lost. People kind of forget that. When everyone talks about this cheating scandal, people actually forget that series that the Red Sox did lose to the Astros in 17 as well as the Yankees and the Dodgers. People, people kind of forget that, but that they also, I think they also, in a way, yeah, it's kind of hypocritical of them because they did, they, they yeah. did cheat a little bit the next year, but they did lose to the Astros in the, uh, in the, in the ALDS that year. And John Farrell eventually got fired too because of it. Yeah. So, you know, that's another manager that kind of lost his job as a result like Joe Girardi did in New York. Um, but you know, again, you know, I guess I'm not, cause we've seen Joe Kelly instigate stuff like that. We saw it back in 2017 when he went after, you know, he threw at Tyler Austin and that kind of started the brawl between Boston and New York. So we, we've seen him kind of do this before. Now the funny thing, well, like it's not really funny is the Astros got the warning and not the Dodgers. So I was very surprised the ump let this go. Yeah. And I, Dusty Baker was upset at that. And we have video of him, him talking about that right now. You know, balls get away sometimes, you know, but not that many in the big leagues. And, uh, you know, uh, it, you know, when you throw a 3 0 fastball over a guy's head, I mean, now you're flirting with his, uh, you know, ending his career. Then a couple other guys 
balls are close. Um, and then, you know, what really enraged everybody is when, you know, he told Carlos, I mean, he struck him out. And, uh, and, he, and he told him, nice swing, bitch. And see, what are, you, what are you supposed to do then? And then what upset me is that the umpires warned us. You know, why don't you warn him? You know, he's the one throwing the, throwing the ball. And, the, you know, he's the one that started this this mess in the first place. So, um, no, I didn't, I, I didn't like it at all. Yeah, you can see the frustration on, on, with Dusty Baker. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, the guys are getting thrown, the balls are getting thrown at guys' heads. But, unfortunately, he has to realize taking this job, that's just the reality of the situation. I mean, when your team cheats, I guess especially to take a championship away from another team who's been kind of knocking on the door of a championship for the last – the Dodgers have been the most successful team in baseball probably since 2013, and they've been knocking on the door almost every year since then. And they did – and they – if they if the Astros didn't cheat, they probably win that championship. You have to understand the frustration of them. Yes, I don't condone throwing at anybody's head, but you got to understand the frustration of the Astros there. You know what I mean? I mean of the Dodgers there. Yeah, you do, and, and yeah, you you know you don't want to see. Did you see Joe's comment? Yeah, Steve, they forgot what happened. The players didn't exactly. Joe Joe hit the nail on the head right there. Yeah, you know, and and I think it's a way too that the Astros went about it. You know, they. Didn't seem remorse in any of the press conferences. They didn't apologize about this. And I think that's the real reason why that this has kind of been very bitter. I think, you know, if, if they kind of, kind of came out, admitted it, said, all right, you know, we're sorry, we shouldn't have done this. Again, it's still bad. But, I, you know, again, it may have not gone to that extent where Joe Kelly's throwing at guys' heads because you don't want to – you know, yeah, these guys did wrong, but if you want to end anybody's career, you don't want to hurt anybody by throwing 98 at, at their at the head. You, you know, that could cause some serious damage. And I think that's kind of the real reason why the Dodgers kind of, you know, if Joe Kelly did it. It doesn't, you know, nobody knows if Joe Kelly kind of told his teammates he would do this or he did this on his own. Nobody knows. Who knows if we'll ever find out. Um, but, again, you know, yeah, the Astros, what the Astros did, it was totally wrong. One of the worst you know, cheating sounds we've seen, but the throw a guy's head, it's dangerous. And, you know, it's, you know, it'll be interesting if anything kind of happens. If the Astros kind of go at him, I don't know. Um, you hold up, but the way they, you know, cheated and the way they kind of never came out apologized or any of this is the real reason why the Dodgers, I think, are really still upset about this. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens tonight. I mean, that's going to be entertaining. I mean, they play tomorrow night. They play tonight at 7. That's definitely a game. I mean, I'll be flipping back and forth between that and the Yankee game tonight. So that's going to be really, really interesting to see what ends up happening there. And we want to show you, we actually have video of the uh, of, of what happened last night. For guys, for people who just tuned in, we do have video of, of what uh, Joe Kelly, what happened with Joe Kelly and the Astros last night. Pitch sails over the head of Alex Bregman. There might have been a little intent behind that one. Swing and a miss. Kelly able to get Correa and strand two runners on base. And a little talking in between innings between Joe Kelly and the Astros dugout. And Astros players starting to congregate near the Dodgers dugout. And here come the Astros out of their dugout. 
This all had to do with that 3-0 pitch to Bregman. Correa is being held back. As you hear all the noise, and without fans, you, th that's the thing now. You could hear a lot of this stuff. You could hear a lot of this stuff being said because we, we could hear a ton of it. <laughs> nice, nice see the shirt. Of, uh, <laughs> Joe brought up the Dodger fans already got that shirt. So like, yeah, they're, 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 st they're still salty. And, for, for, and uh, Baker says, yeah, obviously, uh, Baker, Dusty Baker says he's the one who started the mess. And he did, but we have, <laughs> you can't forget the absolute what happened in the offseason. I mean, that was this was the biggest cheating scandal in the history of Major League Baseball. And this has turned into this is turned. I mean, they don't play every year and they wouldn't have played this year if it wasn't for the pandemic, because the uh, the I, I think the uh, I don't think the West would have played the West. I'm not I'm not. Oh, they would play next year. OK, so yeah, so they wouldn't even have played. So yeah, that's that's what caused these fireworks last night. And you know, it's just, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens tonight between these two teams. If, I mean, I don't think there can be a bench clearing brawl. And, and it's, I, that would, that, I mean, Rob Manfred's on thin ice now. If there's a bench clearing brawl, he's probably telling these teams, I'm not, n stop this. Do not accentuate this tonight because there cannot be a bench clearing brawl between these two teams. No, that, that would be bad. I, I would love to kind of see the Astros come out with no fan, or they mean the Dodgers come out with no fan in the stands tonight. And bring out like a guard can just start pounding that. <laughs> that would be funny. Yeah. They yeah. could kind of do to get back at him instead of trying to hurt somebody. I'd love to see something like that with the Dodgers doing. But yeah, you know, who knows what can happen tonight. Hopefully it doesn't um, escalate anymore, especially because they these two play next year as well. So. Oh, they're not. Oh, they're not, they didn't change the schedule. The schedule no, stays the same. Yeah. So um, I think they're. I think it's in LA too next year. Oh wow! Oh wow! Wow! With fans, oh, that's gonna be crazy. That'd be a that's gonna be crazy. Because I probably say right now, the Dodgers probably hate the Astros. Not it's not, but not uh, it's not by by much more, but a little bit more than the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees, it's a lot too. But I'd say a little bit more than the Yankees because the Astros took away, literally took away a championship from the Dodgers. Because the Yankees, even if they would have beaten, even if they would have beaten the Astros, they still would have had to beat the Dodgers in that World Series. And even if the Yankees would have beaten the Nationals last year, they still would have, no, I mean, the Yankees would have beaten the Astros last year, they still would have had to beat the Nationals in the World Series. So the Astros literally took a championship away from the Dodgers. The Yankees, very close to a championship, but they still would have had to win the World Series. Yeah, they still would have had to. The only thing about the Dodgers, though, is Jansen did blow game two in LA, and then you Darvish did stink it up game seven. Yeah, but yeah. they won a game that was 13 to 12 that Clayton Kershaw started. Yeah. And this hurt legacies. It hurt. Uh, you Darvish's legacy, it hurt Clayton Kershaw's legacy. Say they win that game five, they probably win that series. So that hurt his legacy. So these, so these, so it hurt, this hurt legacies of players. Yeah, no, you do have, you do have a point there. You know, like a guy like Clayton Kershaw, if he wins that, you know, they get that game five and he pitches well, you know, people aren't calling him kind of like the, you know, he's, he can't show up in a big postseason game. Um, but, you know, you know, who, I still, you know, go back and forth on, who would have won that, you know, and especially for a team like the Yankees that, yeah, they won all three games at home and then they couldn't go down to Houston and get a one win in that kind of hole. They got one win. Joe Girardi's probably still the manager of the New York Yankees. So you kind of managed to lose your job there. Um, but, you know, kind of going back to what could happen tonight, it's just, and kind of going back to of the, the hatred, I think too, like, well, we've seen it too with Aaron Judge's 
when he took down that post, you know, that Instagram post with him and you saw with you saw with Cody Bellinger what he said. They took away the MVP from George and they took away the ring from us. Yeah, so you know, like, and I think it's bad when players actually, you know, because most of these guys are all friends, but you know, when you lose respect for a guy like that, for you know, most of those Astros, um, you know, it's you know, it's it, it's interesting. It, um, it's it's tough to um, you know, it, it's just it just it it wasn't a good. Look. It's you know. Um, I can't, I'm, I'm looking at you, but it's just, you lose respect for a guy, you know, you lose respect for that whole team. And I think that's why most of the players are, you know, most of the Dodgers just do not like them because this is all, this is the game that they loved growing up and, you know, get paid to do They're you know, 1%, the whole world that could play this game. And they pretty much broke the, you know, hurt the integrity of the game by what they did, what the Astros did. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it was, it was terrible. And you know, the Astros paid for it last night. I mean, there was an incident last night and it's going to just be really, really interesting to see what happens tonight, but we're going to shift over to a more way more serious situation. And that, that's with the Miami Marlins. And, and now, because there has been one player that tested another player tested positive today, they're up to 18 members of that organization that have tested positive to 16 players. That's, that's more than half the roster, uh, two, uh, two members of their staff, this is just such a serious issue, and it definitely has thrown a major wrench into the uh, ba- the start of the baseball season. Uh, as we remember, as as this story started, it started on Sunday when four players tested positive for the from the Marlins. Then it went up to fourteen on Monday, went up to seventeen yesterday. That's when really baseball took action, and then it went up to eighteen uh, today. And uh, th- this resulted in all the Marlins games getting shut down. Their their four game series with the Orioles has been postponed. Their three game series with the Nationals has been postponed and it, and it affected the Yankees and the Phillies, their entire four game series with each other, with, with each other this week, that's been postponed. And it, but as a result of it, cause the Orioles and the Yankees both had their four game series postponed. They're going to play a short two game series, uh, uh, starting tonight in Baltimore and and then next week I think they're going to play those two games that got moved pushed up I think they I think they're going to push the two games from September up for the Yankees to play a three-game series but the the, the big story is is the the the, te- the 18 18 Marlins tested positive for, for, for the virus and I don't want to hear oh it was such a great week for baseball outside of this this thing canceled anything that happened great for baseball this weekend this is a serious issue and and if people think oh it's because yes I know Nobody from the other 29 teams tested positive. So they're probably like, oh, oh, it was only one team. We'll be fine. You are naive if you think that. This is a deadly virus. It is still going on. When you have half a team, half a team uh, test positive for this virus, there is a problem. And Manfred's like, you know, we're not at a nightmare situation yet. What is a nightmare situation? What is? Half a team has the coronavirus. That's a nightmare situation. I mean, and 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 look, and look, look at uh, Joe look, uh, showing us Field Yates' uh, 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 tweet uh, talking about bubble. You know, see the NBA is doing a great job, zero positive tests, NHL zero positive tests, MLS zero positive tests. This is why Major League Baseball made a humongous mistake not going to a bubble. I mean, with all the traveling all over the place, you know, up and down the coast. Yes, they they reduced it to a regional schedule, so you wouldn't have travel issue th- these kind of issues, but with all the traveling going on, this is this is clear. This is why this sport clearly is going to be the toughest to finish because of everything. Because they're not in a bubble, and they're going to be. And football is going to be tough, but at least they only travel like once at the end of the week. 
baseball is going to be even it's going to be even worse because you're traveling all the time and up and down the coast. And there's a very good chance. I, I hate to say this, that this season is not going to get completed. Yeah. It's, you know, with the 18 Marlins getting, you know, with the 18th one today, it's, you know, a bad situation for baseball with the, you know, I, and this is the worry for me of, yeah, I don't know if they'll be able to finish the season. And with the expanded playoff, I kind of, because I wasn't a fan of it at first, but now more as I think about it, what's going on with the Marlins, is they kind of expand, you know, one of the, I think the big reasons they expanded it is so that um, when we get, you know, these few weeks here coming up towards September, you know, late August, and some of these teams are out of the race where, you know, maybe they start kind of getting too relaxed and saying, oh, I'm just going to go out or we're done, you know, there's no point about, you know, of, uh you know, quarantine because we're so far back. I think there's maybe less of a chance of that now. Um, but like I heard from Don, Don Adley was saying yesterday is when they were playing Atlanta last, you know, last week for their um, scrimmage with the Braves during a rain delay because uh, I could they couldn't go in the clubhouse. A whole team was sitting in the dugout, and he said everybody's on top of each other. Oh. I guess uh, Bob Knight and Dale oh. reported last night. I hasn't been confirmed that. Some of the players did go out in Atlanta. It has. I haven't seen that anywhere else besides him. So they I did. I, I have a feeling. I mean, I have a feeling that they had to have. You can't. You can't think they didn't go out in Atlanta. And and here's the thing: if you're a player, wear your mask pretty much at all times, unless unless you're not unless you're unless you're playing. And when you get to the when you you go from the ballpark home and back to the ballpark, that's it. There is no going out and. To, and uh, until the end of the season. I mean, you just can't, it's just, you can't do it at this point. I mean, this is, this season has gone off to a disastrous start with the Marlins with the, with the, with, the, with COVID. And if this continues, the players need to do this, this season will get shut down. I mean, I mean, it just has to I mean the, the, in the court and the, uh, the, the public's going to scream for the sports to get shut down. I mean, you can't have half a team have the virus that that's just unacceptable. That just, that just cannot happen at all. Yeah, and, you know, with the Marlins, too, that some of the guys that are even at their, you know, alternate site aren't even on the 40-man roster right now. So they're kind of scrambling to figure out what to do these next few days. But, yeah, and I think it just happens to a couple more teams. And, I, and the scary part is this was only the first weekend, and we still have another two months of this. So that's kind of the war, you know, worry is this is probably going to – unless it – I think the teams that have veteran leadership and, you know, in the clubhouse – and have a voice, you know, are going to be able to get through this. I think the teams like the Marlins, the Orioles, the guys that the teams that do not have a lot of veteran presence in that locker room, and there's not a voice, a captain kind of going, hey, let's go back to the hotel. Let's not go out or, you know, do anything. I think the teams that are lacking that are the ones that are going to struggle. And I think we're kind of starting to see that. And what you know, what maybe what happened to Marlins again? That's the worry for me. In the next month, if some of these teams that kind of get out of the race um, start to do that, and I was listening to um, Michael K the other day, and an agent um, emailed him or texted him saying that one of his clients, who's a star, he didn't say the, who the player was, a star player on his team, was like refusing to wear the mask on the field. That can't happen. Yeah, that, that just cannot happen. And that's a star player. So whatever. Yeah, I mean, we just lost Justin. Whoever set in probably, you know, probably the captain and such a bad example for the rest of the team. So that's kind of the fear that I have right now. 
And look, and I know all these guys are most, you know, most of these guys are in you know, great shape. And, and But look at Eduardo Rodriguez right now. He's having an art heart issue. You can look at Freddie Freeman where, you know, he was kind of praying, on, praying for his life one night because his fever was at 104.5 degrees. Like, you know, these guys are not um, immortal. You know, like this, this virus can affect you. So, um, again, I, you know, wonder when it, for some of these players it's going to hit home, um, especially, too, because we saw a lot, like Matt Olson's um, Grand Slam walk-off Thursday, or Friday night. You know, they're all, uh, um, you know, celebrating all yeah you gotta you gotta clear away you gotta you gotta clear away you just you can't you can't have you can't have it you gotta clear away yeah you do and i know it's tough because this is you know they've done this forever and i'm hoping by you know longer and longer the season goes on they kind of get better at not contact but that's a big that's a big thing too is they can't kind of be all on top of each other celebrating like that because you know one guy may have it they may you know could lead to 20. oh absolutely absolutely and this, this, this is just um, another failure of Ron Manford not to set up a bubble site. Them, him and the Players Association not setting up a bubble site. That would have easily worked the best. You look in the NBA and the NHL, it's worked out great. But it's just th- this thing hasn't worked out. And that's a big reason why this thing hasn't worked out is because, because, of the, because of the bubble. And you see, you know, they're forcing, this, they're forcing guys to play this season without a bubble, risking their families, risking, risking their, li- their lives and, and, and being away from their families. And he, but Dan David Price called out the commissioner yesterday. I mean, on a Monday, I mean, I mean, he, he said that the, the, the health and safety is not the, not the first priority of major league baseball right now. And it's not, I mean, they're not, they're not, if they, if, they, if it was, they would have, they would have played in a bubble. And yes, did I get on the players for not wanting with the prorated salaries and stuff? Yes. I, but I don't get on them for complaining about health and safety. And, and, and that's why I can accept the season getting shut down for health and safety, for self and safety reasons, because you can't have, more of these because this this is this is life and death of human beings i mean you know you have you have to think of that when you're when you're doing stuff like this yeah you do and i know it was something that i think it was rob manford that brought up that they won playing the ball but the players said no to that and you know and i understand why they don't want to play in it but yeah you know we could we've seen in the effects that it's pretty soundproof that you know there's such a less likelihood of you catching the virus and such more and there's a you know potential to actually finish the season and playoffs if you're in a bubble so i'm kind of hoping maybe for the playoffs they do something because i think for the playoffs you're gonna have to do something like that if they get to that point i think you're gonna have to in october november play in a bubble i don't think they'll be able to finish um especially that second wave starts i i, I don't i think they would have to um but going back to the player state you know doing thing you know the thing is they can you know i you know, I know the health and safety, it's kind of, for me, because the player, you know, if the players were really, really worried, you know, they could opt out. And I'm surprised, you know, they could opt out um, if, if they really thought, you know, if they're really, you know, um, unsure or, you know, don't feel unsafe about it. Um, I, you know, because, you know, all these guys are taking a risk and, you know, you would hope that you know. I would have it would have preferred them to see them bubble. They didn't want it, want to. But you know, the other thing about Major League Baseball, I don't think they've been doing well. It's actually the actual testing that it takes. Um, yeah, the, days. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, you can't. You got. You got to have that. The test results come out the same day. I mean, that's the problem. Is there were there were there were Marlins players 
playing that game on Sunday against the Phillies, having the virus. And that's just inexcusable. That cannot happen. And then that, and that, then that caused, you know, that affected the Yankees and Phillies this week because they thought the Phillies got exposed because of it. And that's why the Yankees and Phillies lost four games this week because the Marlins played with, with guys that, that te- yeah, they didn't know at the time, but guys that tested positive for the virus. That's inexcusable. That, and that's on Major League Baseball for, 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 for make, not making sure the testing policy is not going quick enough. That, and that's another failure on Major League Baseball for this. You're seeing so many holes. It's, show, it's showing you so many holes. It's showing you why. This is showing this, these last, uh, the Astros scandal, the Dodgers, the, the Astros Red Sox scandal, the, the, the way the way the, the MLB's handled the coronavirus, this is showing you why Rob Manfred is incompetent to be the commissioner of baseball. I mean, it's, and then the, and then even the 16 team playoff, he makes the decision before the, after the first pitch is thrown. I mean, Manfred is in huge trouble as commissioner. He's just done a very poor job right now. Yeah, he, he, you know, it has not been great for him, especially the last you know first ten year, but especially this year with the Astros Red Sox and now this and the handling of all this. Yeah, it has not been a great year for him. Um, about a terrible year for him. Let's let's be honest. Yeah, that very very terrible year. Um, but before we went on the air, I heard that you canceled the Phillies and Blue Jays game Friday night because the testing. Now I guess because now I guess is what the general testing is. It could take they you know if Phillies actually some Phil you know if the Phillies some if some of the Phillies players and staff actually have it, it won't show up on a test till Thursday or Saturday. Yeah, but I. I, I I th- I think another reason too is the Blue Jays are because they don't have a home right now, so they're playing that series. They're the home team, but they're playing that series in Philadelphia, where the Marlins were. And I just think for a while they don't want anybody for maybe a week or two in in that visitor visiting clubhouse at Citizens Bank Park. They just they just I think that whole series is going to get postponed as well, in my opinion. No, I, it wouldn't surprise me because I I'd be scared going to that locker room. You know, I know they you know have wiped it, cleaned it all down, sterilized that whole room, but still, you know, there's maybe a spot you miss. I know one of the attendants, clubhouse attendants, you know, got it. But yeah, I'd be I'd be scared to go in that locker room. And I know the Yankees were staying in a different hotel than Marlins were, which is good. But yeah, it, you know, it worry me. And I know, was it? Um, I think it was Ryan Braun was saying. In an interview, he said, you know, being on the road right now, he's more worried about COVID than he is a baseball. Like, you know, he's more anxious about this virus than he is than his mind on baseball. And I, I and I assume that's probably with a lot of guys' minds right now is because, you know, you don't know what's going on in that visiting team clubhouse before you get there. You would hope, you know, everybody's following the procedure and all that, but you can't be 100%. You know, you really can't trust anybody. You really have to – Follow all the guidelines, wear the mask, do all that, clean everything, you know, stay your distance um, because you never know who could have it. We've seen, you know, they, you know, not everybody shows the symptoms and, you know, that's kind of the tricky part. Oh, absolutely. You could be feeling fine and have have the virus. You can get, you feel completely fine, get tested and have the virus. That's that's the thing about this virus. That's the craziest part of it. That's, it's crazy. You could feel fine and just get it. So yeah, I mean, you just don't know. You, you, you don't know what, what could. That's why it's so crazy being on the road and getting exposed. Is is you could you could get it and feel fine, and that's exactly why baseball should have should have had a bubble. Yeah, you're exactly right. They they should have. I don't know the player didn't want it, but it's the most safest thing for everybody in the sport, all the staff and all the players. It's the safest thing to do. Um, you know. I kind of understand why they didn't want to do it. They didn't want to be there for three months, especially if you kind of 
fall out of the pennant race, you kind of, you know, you don't want to be there anymore, but, um, I, you know, it, it would have been the safest thing for everybody. And it would have pretty much, I'm not, you know, 95% sure you would have finished, you know, you'd finish the season in a bubble and, you know, you'd be able to finish the season. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we're going to, we're going to move on to, on, uh, we're going to uh, football and one team that has taken a lot of caution of the coronavirus, and that's the Patriots. So right now the Patriots have six guys that uh, have opted out of the season, uh, notably Dante Hightower, Patrick Chun, Marcus Cannon, Brandon Bolden, Dan Vitale, and uh, Najee Torin. And uh, yeah, they're fearing, they're fearing the virus. And especially when you've got a guy like uh, Dante Hightower, who's a captain on that defense, who he's just had, a, he's, I think he's his wife, is his wife pregnant with a baby right now? I believe so. I, yeah. I know Patrick Chung definitely is. Um, but yeah, I, I think Hightower is too. Yeah. So the Patriots are really like, and so three of the, yeah. So they're not going to have, they're not going to have Hightower, Chung, uh, Cannon. Those are all three of those are starters and Bolden and, uh, uh, Vital, those are spot guys too. So the Patriots, they're, they're, they're looking at this right now and they're looking, they're looking at like, we are a lot of these guys like Hightower, Chung and, uh, Cannon can't, they already got three Super Bowl rings. They're thinking of it right now as like, are we really going to risk our lives to play this season? Hightower's due to make 8 million this year. He's that he's, 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 uh, turning that away because, you know, at, at this point, is it really worth it? Is it really worth risking my life to go out there and, and play. And the thing about football, which is a little bit obviously different than baseball is, is that uh, you're not traveling as much, but still there's no bubble. So, and it's a contact sport and you're on each other all the time. So like the difference between baseball and football is baseball being out. You have more of a chance to get it in in football. I think playing the game, you have a better chance of getting it. And you, and you even traveling have a good chance to get it too. So the NFL season is I, and seeing a team like the Patriots, the Patriots are a very smart team. They, they're kind of ahead of the curve more than, than other teams are. Seeing that is starting to, to get me to question, and I, I won't like this at all, if there's going to be an NFL season. Yeah, it kind of gets to that point. You know, in, in the NFL, you know, I keep hearing they want to plow through, they want to plow through, they want to plow, plow, plow through it. Um, but, you know, something for me with the travel, and I know they only do this once a week, but, like, I know, like, the, the AFC specifically – they're kind of the, you know, they, for the, the, um, the two divisions they actually play this year, like all four teams and both they both, they're both going out West twice. Yeah. The AFC West and the NFC West. So that's kind of my, you know, that's the big concern for me is cross country travel, because again, as we just talked about, if some of these systems don't show up on the test for certain, you know, for a certain period of time, you're going on a plane with these guys that may have it, but it doesn't show up on the test yet. So you could be sitting on a plane next to that for four hours. And it's, you know, and, it, and I know they have all chartered, but you're breathing the same air. You know, that could knock out 35 guys right there. That's kind of my big concern about the NFL is something like that. Um, but with the Patriots, yeah, because, you know, Cannon's the older guy. Dante Hightower, Patrick Trump, like all these guys have been established in the, in the league for a while, and they've made enough money where they could sit out for a year and not have to worry about money and i know patrick chung's saying um you know he's got a baby growing away and i think he he already has a son who's uh i think it could be a toddler and he has asthma so that you know and definitely can't um go out and, and, and play with that and risk bringing that home to to his kids so um i like you know you can't blame any of these guys dropping out you know it, it again you know 
they're making a choice where they can come back next year, um, hope, you know, all healthy again and, you know, get back out there. It's um, so, you know, and I heard there was, I don't, you know, even the rumor, the rumor was too a few days ago that the McCordy brothers were going to opt out too, but I haven't heard anything from that. You, Jason McCordy made a statement. That, that this isn't safe. And I would not be shocked if the two McCordy brothers opt out as well. I mean, there's a long way. There's still, you know, a month and a half till the season starts. I wouldn't be shocked if you don't see the McCordy brothers playing this year as well. No, I, I wouldn't either. And I saw that and I was, you know, then those are two more, you know, big leaders on that defense. Um, you know, this drop. And again, you, I don't blame any of them. And you know, I'm fine with all of them drop, you know, uh, opting out, you know, for the safety of their families and, and themselves, uh, obviously. Um, but it's, you know, it's hard. And I wonder, because it's been mostly Patriots, and I wonder, somebody mentioned this yesterday, I wonder if this is, Bill kind of gave his team a deadline before everybody else did so that he could kind of figure out, okay, who's in, who's out, you know, so he can go find his free agents, kind of figure out a roster. I don't know. I thought about that just because it's so far it's been mostly Patriots. I don't, you know, maybe. Um, and then I heard, too, like a team exec email or, Texted Adam Seffner saying that um, Bill Belichick's um, telling these guys to opt out so we can tank, which um, I thought was one of the dumbest things I've ever read. Um, oh, yeah, that, that, that's complete. That's completely dumb. And another thing is, is that all these guys are opting out because Brady's gone. I mean, I mean, come on. I, yeah, I know Brady's a great player, but come on now. You, you can't you can't be saying that. I mean, these guys got families. I mean, these guys, they're over 30. They, I mean, I think Cannon had lymphoma, too. So these guys have had health issues, fam, family. You can't say, oh, they're opting out just because, oh, if Brady was here, would they be would they be playing? That you can't commit, say that factor into the decision during a time like this. No, you can't. You know, you, you got to, you know, I know all these guys obviously love the game of football. They, you know, but, you know, you got to protect your family and yourself before that because, you know, I know everybody says, well, the money will be, you know, you know, you can't spend the money if you're dead. You can't, you can't play football if you're dead, you know, you know, and, or have like a serious health issue. If you do get cold, you know, if you do get COVID from, you know, from anything like, so again, it doesn't surprise, you know, um, it, it's, you know, if these guys want to do it, then, you know, I'm, I'm fine with it. Go ahead. Um, you know, I, and you know, I'm fine with it. You have to protect yourself and your family in this, in this time. And most of these guys have the money where they could wait till next season and not really have to worry about financial stuff. Absolutely. And, you know, other notable guys that have uh, opted out too: uh, Devin Funches of the Packers, Marcus Goodwin of the Eagles, Starla Tulia of the Bills, Eddie Goldman of the uh, Bears, and Michael Pierce of the Vikings. So you've had, you're now starting, you saw yesterday, so seeing other guys, you know, opt out of the season they're starting you know the marlin story is starting to get people to think of this this really could be something that could be dangerous if we play yeah and i and and you know i think it probably starts to kind of hit home too when you kind of see a whole you know when you see half the team get the COVID, you know get covid you know or you know kind of in a case too where maybe you know some film those pack guys maybe follow a water you know follow the red sox and see what's going on with the auto Eduardo Rodriguez right now in his heart, you know, um, and it kind of hits home like, all right, this is serious. And, you know, and some of these linemen are big guys too, you know, like are bigger guys, like, and we've kind of seen, I know they're in, you know, they're some of the, you know, strongest guys out there, but still, you know, we've kind of seen that it says, you know, 
we've seen bigger people, you know, um, kind of struggle, you know, struggle from this more and, and have more consequences from it. So, you know, it's just, it's, it is what it is. And, you know, during the buy, you know, and I don't blame anybody for, you know, uh, sitting out this year and kind of just wait into 2021. Hopefully everything goes back to normal and you'll be able, you know, you'll be able to play the game you love again. Not at all. Not at all. So we're going to stay in the AFC East and talk about a uh, big trade that happened this weekend. And the uh, New York Jets uh, traded Jamal Adams to the uh, Seattle Seahawks for uh, two first round picks and uh, two first round picks uh, in 2021 and uh, 2022. Uh, a third round pick in 2022 and safety Bradley McDougal. And along with Adams, the Seahawks got a fourth round pick in uh, 2022. And as we know uh, uh, a month ago, Adams wanted out and he definitely voices displeasure on Friday when he called out Joe Douglas and he completely called out Adam Gase. And, and uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's, that's nonsense with, with Douglas. I've seen that. That is complete nonsense. Yes. He talked his way out of New York. That's just a PR thing. They have to do say, Oh, he didn't talk his way out of New York. Yeah. He talked his way out of New York. He, he wanted to get out of there. And, and by, and by Friday morning, it was inevitable that the jets were going to trade him. And they did, they traded him to the Seahawks. And this move, I think in my opinion, makes the Seahawks the favorite to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. I had them as my favorite even before this move. I wasn't completely confident about it, but I'm more confident. I'm definitely confident about it now that this makes the Seahawks the favorite to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. And here's why. If you look at the four other contending teams in the NFC, you start with you start with the Saints, best roster in the uh, in the NFL. But Drew Brees is getting up there in age. You don't trust a, you can't trust a quarterback who's over 40 years old. Same thing, uh, Buccaneers. I like I like I really like their roster too. But again, and I think Brady will have a really good year. But again, you can't pick a team to be a favorite with a quarterback over 40. It's very hard to do that. And uh, uh, Green Bay Packers, I mean, th that was obvious that the day they, you know, drafted Jordan Love, forget them as being a contender. And then obviously the arch rival of the uh, Seattle Seahawks, the San Francisco 49ers, I think they're they're really good. I think they could very easily be in the NFC Championship game against the Seahawks. But I think the issue is you're never as good the year after you lose the Super Bowl. And I think the Niners will take a little bit of a step back this year. I think they'll still be a playoff team, but I think they'll take a little bit of a step back this year. So that's why I think the Seahawks are going to be the favorite to uh, to go to the Super Bowl in the uh, NFC. I think I, their offense is really good. I mean, obviously you have the second best quarterback in the game in Russell Wilson. Got a top running game with Chris Carson, with Rashad Penny, and with Carlos Hyde. You got DK Metcalf, one of the emerging stars at receiver. You got a uh, Tyler, Lock Tyler Lockett is pretty good. And on defense, I mean, you got Bobby Wagner, one of the best middle linebackers in the game. And this secondary is underrated. I mean, with Shaquille Griffin, who had a pretty good year last year, people forget that. Quandre Diggs, who they got in a trade uh, with the Lions, the Seahawks got in a trade with the Lions. He's not bad. And, and I mean, him and him and Adams are going to be one of the top safety duos in, in the league uh, going into the season. The only issue there with the, with the Seahawks on defense and it, that's why it's still an average defense is their is their defensive line. Their defensive line is still one of the worst in football because they like Clowney. They like Clowney, they uh, didn't sign Jadavi on Clowney. I mean, I don't blame them for not paying him $20 million. He's not worth that, but still not signing Clowney makes their D line worse. So, but looking at their offense, look at their defense being improved. This move to me makes Seattle the favorite to go to the Super Bowl in the NFC. Yeah. Seattle right now. I, you know, de definitely Seattle looks like the favorite right now. Um, you know, I, and getting the best safety in the game than Jamal Adams. I'm going to take kind of, I'm, you know, I, 
I think all right, the Jets haul wasn't bad. I think they got a pretty good haul for him. The thing was, I think this is the worst thing the Jets could have done. Because now any player that wants out of New York and kind of what in this staff, kind of what Joe Douglas and Adam Gase is, you know, anybody that wants out of New York, they're going to do the same exact thing Jamal Adams is do to get out of New York. You just opened a whole new door for that. And I know it's, it, you know, and I know the comments that he made about Gase and Douglas was not great, and it probably really burned some bridges. I know he's been kind of doing that all offseason. Um, but let's remember, you know, because Jamal Adams got benched, what was it, week six or week 16 and week 17? He never said a word about it in Gase. He, he was quiet. So this is all just to get out. I, if I was the Jets, I would have let him sit and just ride on the bench here. You're only paying him $3.6 million. Now, next year in 2021, I think he's owed $9.6 million. So I'm right yeah, because that's, that's his – because he got the fifth-year option. That's why. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So um, then you kind of have to play him or, or have to trade him. I would have waited until next offseason or, um, you know, waited until next offseason to trade him. They got a good haul for him for everything that he said. So I get that part. The the thing too about you know that first round pick is this year, it's going to be late first round. And the other thing is too, if you don't, if there's, you're probably not going to be any college football in the fall. That's the thing. The Jets better hope there's college football because there's no yeah. college football. You're going to get a rookie. I mean, yeah, the rookies do make pretty big impacts at the beginning in the NFL. They do, they do. But you're going to get a rookie that hasn't played, is, 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 is not, hasn't played in two years, is, is junior or sophomore year in college, playing in the NFL. So this is going to, that's the draft next year. It's going to be a late round pick, and you're really going to be guessing on on who you're really going to be ta- taking there because you're not really going to have a year of film to see that guy, and that player is not going to have a year of a development either. So you're basically drafting a lot on potential, not production, and that's very very risky to do in the NFL. Yeah, that's exactly my point of why, you know, you got two for rounds for him, but this year, the next year's first rounder may not really, you know, it may not be great being a late pick and not really being able to scout a guy. Um, I, I, you know, I just, I just didn't think it was a smart move by the Jets. I just think you're really playing with fire here for guys that want to get out of here. It's just, it just opens a whole new door for anybody in that organization that wants out. And I, I, you know, because you, you let him get his way. I think you you should have just let him sit and figure it out. You know, he still had two years left. That's the other thing is the Jets seemed in no rush. The Jets wanted him to be alive, you know, be a Jet for life. He's, you know, and I understand that he wants to kind of, you know, get the guaranteed money in case something happens. He wants to be kind of set. But I just, you know, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't like the move. I in. Yeah, uh, it's you know it, it again. I, they got a decent haul, I guess, but it's not not the biggest fan of why you know why they kind of did it. Here's my take on it. Yeah, you're getting a lot of the typical Jets terrible move. You're getting a lot of that. I mean, and by no means am I defending the Jets for trading Demal Adams, but Douglas did get really really good value i mean two first round pick even though the first round pick won't be as good if there isn't any college football no player in this league that's not a quarterback is worth two first round picks and douglas got that he got what he could for him he got two first round picks and a third round pick so he so he got what he could for him the issue though is is that you know you know adams adams was talking 
he was he was talking about Adam Gase. He was bashing Adam Gase. Here's the issue: if the Jets have a losing season this year, Adam Gase is going to get fired because he's not Joe Douglas's guy. Joe Douglas didn't hire him, so they're, they're going to fire Adam Gase if they have a losing season. So you you could have just kept Adams, and if you even if he was unhappy, you end up firing Gase at the end of the season, and then you end up giving Adams an extension there. That, that that's that's where I didn't like about the trade. What I liked about it was the, was the value they got. I thought they got really really good value. And you told me they wouldn't get take. All right, Joe. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you. The, I'll give you your kudos there, Joe. They wouldn't get two number ones for Adams. I mean, C- Seattle probably thought you know they were Seattle's a team all in to win, and they they thought that you know even if we give up two first round picks, they're going to be two late first round picks, and uh, and they ended, they ended up pulled it off. But yeah, I, on the Jets side, I thought it was they got really good value. But for a player like this to trade him in his prime, that definitely questions your organization. And this is the most obvious thing I'm going to say here. This will define uh, uh, Joe Douglas's time with the Jets. I mean, if he, if, if, if he doesn't hit on these picks, he will go down on a list of that is, that is a long list of Jets GMs that have failed. So this move, Joe Douglas has put his rear end on the line. Uh, to make this to make this happen, and he's in the net, he's got to hit on these first. He's got to hit on at least three of the four of these uh, first round picks he has in the next two years to get talent around Sam Darnold to uh, t- to hopefully uh, make this team good enough around Sam Darnold to be a contending team. Because right now they're not. I mean, Sam Darnold may end up being one of the first quarterbacks in NFL history that has three straight three straight losing seasons and gets paid over thirty five million dollars because the Jets are going to feel like. Yeah, we really didn't give him a chance with the talent we had around him. And let's be honest, too, I'm probably one of the biggest Sam Darnold fans that's not a Jets fan, and he hasn't looked – I mean, yeah, he looked good at times last year, but he hasn't looked that good either. Jamal Adams was clearly the, the best player on this team, and the Jets traded him. So, Joe Douglas, your rear end right now is on the line, and you got to hit on these picks or you are going to be out of New York in the next uh, two to three years. And – Talking about draft picks, I agree with everything you said. You know, after they trade Jamal Adams, they're five out of the last six first-round picks, they have traded away. So how are you ever going to be a contender if you keep trading away your first-round picks? It's never going to happen. you got to be able to develop through those guys and have kind of, you know, you need those guys to develop into a contender. And I think that's kind of, you know, I, I just, you're never going to be able to, to win, you just trade them away. You're gonna have to pay a couple of these guys. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that um, you know Joe Doug, you know Joe Doug, yeah, that's definitely gonna define Joe Douglas uh, tenure as a Jets GM so far, and it's it's a big one. You know, you trade your best player, one of the, you know one of the best defense players in the league, and you know it's it, it's risky. It, um, they definitely got a good haul for it, but who knows about that first round of this year or next year, but, you know, it, it's a risk. It's a gamble. It's a gamble. And I know they haven't really, you know, Darnold really hasn't had much weapons around him, and I know they had Le'Veon Bell, but, um, yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he, yeah, it was not good at all last year. Le'Veon Bell. Wasn't. It just, you know, it really seemed like he fits kind of Adam Gase's scheme here, but, um, you know, and then too, I think the Jets, now, I know with the Pagers getting Cam Newton now, it kind of it improves them a little bit. But this AFC technically kind of – that second place was wide open for a while. I You know, to kind of gain, you know, with the Pagers losing Brady, it was kind of an opportunity for the other three teams to build up 
and try to, you know, um, take over the AFC East. I think Buffalo has done that right now. I mean, I yeah, think Buffalo has done that going out and getting Stefan, getting Stefan Diggs in the offseason trading for him. I think Buffalo has done that. They got some emerging stars on defense as well. Definitely them and Miami. I think even Miami too proved. Miami, I feel like, yeah, they're a year away because because they don't know who their starting quarterback is going to be, Tua or uh, or Fitzpatrick. I like, I really like Brian Flores. I think he's a really good coach. They were smart uh, getting rid of Adam Gase. I mean, they were smart getting rid of him and hiring Brian Flores. They're unlike the Jets. They're going in the right direction. They might they might have the same record as the Dolphins and Jets this year because the Jets Jets are the better quarterback, but the Dolphins are definitely going in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, I think that team's going in the right direction. And the Patriots, they're an unknown. So, yeah, it's, the AFC is to be very interesting. And you thought maybe if the Jets could keep Jamal Adams this year with Darnold's growth, they might have a shot to maybe contend for a playoff spot. But now I'm seeing maybe, you know, five, six wins at most. Yeah, yeah, you lose kind of your best defensive player right there. And it's it, – Definitely take the big hit, and I, I definitely think they're going to probably finish third or fourth right there with the Dolphins. But, um, you know, I, 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 you know, as we just talked about, Dolphins are probably a year or two away, and I think they'll definitely be a wild card, maybe even win the AFC. So, Jets are going the wrong way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that, that, that is absolutely the case. But we're now going to shift to a team that decided to extend one of their best defensive players, and that's the Chargers with Joey Boza. The Boza – Last night, got a five-year, $135 million contract extension from the Chargers. He was going to be a free agent at the end of uh, at the end of uh, next year. He was the number three overall pick, picked right before Ezekiel Elliott in the 2016 uh, NFL draft. Or he was in between Wentz and Goff and, 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 right, and right before Zeke. Uh, the guy's been really good since, he been, since he's been with the Chargers. Yeah, durability's been a little bit of an issue. He missed four games his rookie year, missed uh, nine games in 2018. But... And three of the four years, uh, he's had over double-digit sacks. And that one year he did it, he was he missed half the year with, with an injury. So so I really like this move from the Chargers. I really like the fact – and they have the luxury to pay a non-quarterback this much money, $27 million a year. They have the – you know, he's the highest-rated pass rusher ahead of Khalil Mack. But they have the luxury to pay this guy, give this guy this kind of money because – they don't have to pay a quarterback because they were stay smartly, which the Giants didn't do la- didn't do uh, last year. They smartly moved on from Philip Rivers when he didn't have it. That was just such a smart move by the Chargers. Just get rid of Philip Rivers, uh, move on, draft the quarterback number six overall in Justin Herbert. Uh, now lock up your best defensive player in Joey Boza. They're eventually probably going to end up locking up Derwin James eventually too. So I really, really like – yeah, the Chargers may not be good this year, but I really like what Tom Teleska's doing there. He's really building this team around Justin Herbert. And I think the pieces, the pieces eventually are going to be in place for the Chargers to be a good team. I think they got a smart, they got a smart GM. Uh, I, 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 I really, I really like this move. Yeah. It's a lot of money to pay a non quarterback, but I really like this move for the Chargers. Yeah. You know, I think it's a good move, smart, very smart move when he, you know, as he's been able to stay healthy, 40 career sacks in uh, four years and, you know, one year or two, he missed, uh, you know, nine, nine, nine games. So, um, 10 sacks a year, not bad at all. And, you know, and in such a, in the, the division two, where you, you, you got Patrick Mahomes, you're going to, you're going to have to be able to get after him. And now you got him and Mel, Melvin Ingram on the other side. Um, can hopefully, uh, so, um, supply some pressure on Pat Mahomes and somehow slow down that KC offense for the next couple of years. Um, so, you know, and, and yeah, the good thing is with right now the kind of the unknown at quarterback with Tyrod Taylor, Justin Herbert. Even if Justin Herbert becomes um, a big time quarterback, you don't have to pay him for another three, four years. So 
you, you got time before you even have to pay a quarterback right now. So it's definitely a smart move to lock him up. Um, you know, when he's healthy, he's been great. Um, and he's been a force on that defense um, with him and Melvin Ingram. So def definitely a smart move by the Chargers. And, you know, definitely, again, um, trouble this year. But, you know, I you know, I like that defense. The defense, I think, can keep them in some games this year. Um, you know, the, you know, can the offense score enough is, is the big issue, but if they're, you know, their defense plays well enough, they can probably steal some games and, you know, and we're kind of seeing the DNs right now, those guys getting money. We've seen Garrett, um, you know, cause I think you really do need in this day and age of pass rusher to get after the quarterback, um, right now with all these scramblers. So I, it's a really good move by the chargers to lock him up. Yeah, and next year, he might have not gotten what he wanted because the salary cap's probably going to go down. So really, really smart of the Chargers to get him locked up this year and get him that money this year so they don't have to worry about this uh, next year when the salary cap is definitely going to go down because the team's revenue, with, especially with playing games without fans, that's going to go down. So, yeah, really smart move for the Chargers. And, yeah, you just you just like the direction. The and it's, They're not going to be – probably not going to be good this year. But you just like the direction. You, 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 you trust the direction this, this team is headed in. You know, they, Justin Herbert's got to pan out. That's that's the most important thing. But but what they're doing is they're building enough pieces around Justin Herbert that they can be they, they can be a very it could he doesn't have to be a great quarterback for them to be you know a contender. So I I, I really like what this what what they're doing here. I, I really I just I just really like it. Yeah, I do, and and hopefully, you know, some of the fans in Los Angeles like the move too. And hopefully uh, they don't. They, listen, support. they don't have many fans in Los Angeles. That's the problem. They need to move back to. You now, the problem is they won't because of that's the beautiful stadium they're going to be playing in. But to have their all their fans are down in San Diego, still down in San Diego. They don't got fans in Los Angeles. They don't have any fans in LA. Yeah, no, it's it's disappointing to see because that was such a great fan base they had in San Diego. Um, but yeah, I definitely like the direction the team's going in. As you know, again, I said it a few minutes ago, but as long as you know, with this defense with Derwin James, Melvin Ingram, um, they got the pizza on defense, and you know, they like Austin Eckler out of the backfield, still got Keenan Allen. You know, the offense, yeah, definitely may show this year, but you know, it's go definitely going the right direction in a division where the Broncos got better to this offseason. Um, you know, the Raiders are kind of, you know, I don't I'm not really sure about the Raiders yet. Um, about kind of their direction, but and this is gonna be a tough division for years to come now with Cap Mahomes obviously locked up for the next decade. So, um, you're gonna have to be able to contend with them, and keeping your best defensive player helps that those chances of being able to contend in this division. Absolutely, absolutely. So, we are gonna go to the NBA now, and uh, tomorrow is the first game, the foot's finally back for the first time in four and a half months. The, for tomorrow's first game, you got the Jazz. And you got the Pelicans. And let's just say, before we talk about the games, what an amazing job Adam Silver has done to get this thing put together. I mean, this has just been a genius idea. You know, put, and he was, I, him or Gary Bettman were the first to come up with a bubble idea. But this has been an outstanding, has been a great idea. You thought at the beginning, yeah, they're in a hot spot. They're going to be in trouble. But the protocol they have set here has been outstanding. You know, zero positive tests. And this is a sport where it's a, it's a more of a contact sport than baseball. People are touched, are, are touching each other all the time. But, you know, nobody's getting it because players are following the protocol and that's what you have to do to continue to play. Maybe baseball should be taking a lesson of what the NBA has been doing and what the NHL has been doing because the NBA has done an outstanding job putting this together because they've had exhibition games. They've had no 
positive cases of viruses of the virus at all. So they, I think there's a very good chance that they're going to play the postseason and they're, and they're going to, and they're going to play this thing through. I mean, I really just think it, Adam, Adam Silver has proved during this pandemic. I think we knew it already why he is the best commissioner in sports. Yeah. You know, he's, he did a great job. Him and Gary Bettman getting the bubble idea in there. Um, having zero cases right now. Um, you know, and, and we saw it, I think it was a night or two ago where Christoph Porzingis missed the testing and, you know, he had to sit out. He couldn't play the game, um, you know, for obviously precautions just in case if he did have, you know, he tested positive. Um, you know, besides really, and we kind of see it work with Lou Williams. When he came back, they made him quarantine for those two, you know, he's quarantined still. And Not he's playing tomorrow night yeah, because of it. A couple of games. And that's yeah. the Clippers' chances, obviously. But, yeah, Adam Silver's done a uh, great job. Him and Gary Bevan, uh solid with this bubble. And, you know, it's it's been working. And I, I agree with you. I think right now at this point, they're probably going to finish the postseason. Absolutely. So we're going to get into the games, and we'll go. We'll get into uh, the first game tomorrow night with the uh, Jazz and the Pelicans. The, we don't know if Zion's going to play or not. It's still up in the air. But, you know, as we all remember – the Jazz were kind of the team that got this thing shut down because Rudy Gobert uh, tested positive for COVID-19. And then the next day, Donovan Mitchell tested positive for COVID-19. It was shut down already when Gobert tested positive, but then Donovan Mitchell tested positive and that started, and that started canceling. Then the cancellations all started in the middle of March. So, but for the game, even if Zion plays, this is going to be a really, really close competitive game, but I'm going to take the Jazz close. I think Donovan Mitchell, Chichel has a huge game and the Jazz win close in the opener against the Pelicans. Yeah, I got the Jazz. Um, I'm a little, I know the Jazz have kind of said this is all, you know, what happened with Rudy Bear. That's all in the past and all the chemistry is fine. Um, but I, I think, you know, and, and I think maybe, you know, if Zion played, oh, I think we obviously might. helps a party. Cool to see one of the games, um, you know, Rudy Bear, one of the best shot blockers in the game against Zion Williamson, one of the flashiest guys, you know, maybe you could throw down dunks and all that. Um, but I, I think the Jets do win a close one. Should be a good matchup, though, to see Donovan Mitchell and uh, Brandon Ingram go against each other. But I, I'm going to take the Jazz in a close one. Gotcha. Big one tomorrow night. I'm really excited for this one. Even though there's going to be some players out, I mean, uh, we know Lou Williams and Montrose Harrell are going to be out for the Clippers. I mean, that the uh, Lakers are going to be without Anthony Davis. We got the Lakers and Clippers. And this is a big game because the Lakers, if they win this game, they're more than likely going to get the number one seed in the Western Conference. And, and so th this is definitely a game that, that both teams will be playing hard. Both teams want to win. I think this is obviously a close, contested game. But I think not having Williams and not having uh, – and I don't having Harold are going to be the difference. And I think LeBron, even if there's no AD, is going to dominate. He's going to prove why he still is one of the top three players in the game. And I got the Lakers winning this game over the Clippers. Yeah, you know, um, I am with you. I got the Lakers winning this one. You're losing Lou. I know you're losing Anthony Davis. Um, but Lou Williams is a big, big piece. Averaging just under 19 points a game. Even Harold's kind of been a guy that's really stepped up this year. And he's going to be out. So I, I think with those two key pieces, I, you know, LeBron to be good enough. I know they're missing uh, Rajon Rondo as well, the Lakers. Um, but I, you know, I don't think that one's gonna, um, not gonna hurt them too much. And I think the Lakers are gonna be able to get this one and pretty much clinch that one seed in the Western Conference already up what five and a half, six and a half games. 
Yeah, yeah. If they win this one, they clinch, they clinch the one seed. Mm-hmm. We'll go to the top seed in the Eastern Conference as the Bucks play the Celtics. And this is this is an interesting game. I mean, you look at the Celtics, they got, you know, Kemba's gonna be back. You got uh you got Tatum, you got uh you got Jalen Brown. Celtics are in third currently the third seed in the Eastern Conference. And the but the Bucks are the one seed. And I think Giannis is on a mission to get to the NBA finals this year. He was disappointed last year when he had the two oh lead against the against against the Raptors and they ended up losing and they ended up end up losing in the conference finals. I think Zion's on a mission this year. And I think it, this is his showcase coming back for, with the NBA return. I think he has a huge game. I think the Bucks beat the Celtics on Friday night. Yeah, we've seen in the past, we saw in the playoffs last year, Boston really struggled to slow down Giannis. And I think that's probably this kind of same thing on uh, Friday night. I, you know, on, I know Kemba's been bad knee issue. I know he's, he sounds like he's fine now and everything, but um you kind of see how healthy he is and, um, and all that, but I, I think, yeah, Giannis is on him to get to that first title. Um, you know, because the pressure's on for him, you know, right now, I think he is the best. You know, him, Kawhi, LeBron are top three right now in the game, and if he wants to put himself right there, he's the one kind of missing that ring. So, you know, going back to chasing that title quest right now, and I think Giannis is going to show up and have a big one. Another good one Friday night. This is an interesting game because this is kind of a battle for that number six seed. And I feel like you want to try to get that number six seed in the Western Conference because you don't want to play the Clippers or the Lakers in the first round. And we got the uh, we got the Rockets facing the Mavs. You got you know James Harden and the Rockets facing Luka Doncic and the Mavs. And I think this is going to be a you know another really competitive game between these two teams. But I got the Rockets winning a close one over the Mavs. I get the Mavs in this one. I I, Ooh. I just cannot. Stand their long, small ball lineup. I can't stand it. And I think poor, I, as far as I know, Porzingis is able to go. And, I know with missing that. And, and, and Eric Gordon's going to be out for a couple of weeks too. Yeah. Um, so him too is out. I just think Porzingis is going to be able. He's going to have a big day on the glass. I, I, I just, I never liked this idea with the Rockets going to small ball lineup. And I think Dallas is going to take advantage of that with Porzingis. Um, Lou Don has been great this year. And, uh, you know, it'll, um, it should be a fun one, though. Doncic versus uh, James Harden. Um, but I, I'm going to take Dallas, and it's, yeah, the, you know, that battling for the six. You know, the Nuggets, who are three-seed right now, all the way kind of, da- you know, um, where the Rockets are, they're two and a half back. And then even, you know, Mavs are only a game and a half back of, of the Rockets. So a big one to kind of, for the Ro- to, for the Mavericks, to kind of get in that top six conversation. On Saturday, we got probably the game of the uh, of of the of the week with the uh, Clippers and the Pelicans. I think I'm really excited for this game. I mean, we got obviously Kawhi Leonard against Giannis, and, and, and I mean Kawhi Leonard against Zion. And you know the Pelicans. I mean, they need these games. They need to win these games. That's why Pelicans games are going to be so crucial. I think the big reason the NBA did have this bubble is because they wanted Zion, LeBron in the first round. They want the really want the Pelicans to get that eight seed. So, but I think for this game, it's going to be fun. It's going to be competitive. The, I think the Clippers will end up having Lou Williams back for this game. And, and I think they're going to end up winning it. I think they win it by, you know, I think they win it by like around five to 10 points. I got the Clippers winning this one. Yeah. Um, actually I'm looking up right now. It sounds like he cannot go to August 4th, Lou Williams. So, so it sounds like oh, okay. he's out for this one. Okay. Um, you know, this is a tough one for me. Cause I think for the Clippers, if they kind of win, Thursday against the Lakers tomorrow night. Yeah. Then, you know, they're going to, you know, I know they're still going to be four and a half back, but it's still kind of, kind of still in the hunt, but you lose. Do they kind of start resting their guys and all that? 
um, and start kind of low management and just playing. Um, and, and you know the Clippers will load manage. You know that's the one team that will load manage in this thing. If they're if they have stuff clinched, they're going to load manage. You know that. Oh yeah. So this is why this is kind of a tough one for me. And the Pelicans have so much to play for, but you know, I, I think the Clippers are going to be able to edge it out. I think you know Kawhi, Paul George, you know, um, can be able to do enough that they they play enough minutes. I think they'll be able to edge them out and and get the win. We got the you got a good one Sunday night. Two of the superstars in the game. We got Giannis going up against Harden as the Bucks play the Rockets. Uh, I'm definitely excited for that one. I mean, this should be one of the one of the best games of the weekend. I mean, you got two, you got the, the last two MVPs going up against each other in this one. I, again, close, competitive, but I think Giannis outduels them, and I and I got the Bucks winning close. Yeah, I got I got the Bucks in this one as well. And remember, first game that these two are facing off against each other since kind of James Harden was uh, going at uh, Giannis. Um, saying all he can do is dunk and all that. And so I think I think Giannis is going to love to prove a point in this game. And same thing about the Rockets' small, small, small ball lineup. I think it feeds into Giannis's hands. And I think Giannis has a huge day against the Rockets. Very interesting game Monday night uh, with between the Pelicans and the Grizzlies because the Grizzlies hold the number eight seed in the Eastern Conference by three and a half games. But if the Pelicans get at least all they get is to, to be four games behind them and be the number nine seed for them to have a play in tournament. That's why this is a big game and really a must kind of a really a must win for both teams. Because if you're the Grizzlies, you want to knock the Pelicans out. And if you're the if you're the Pelicans, you want to make sure you play in that play in tournament to get the number eight seed. I think that watching Morant and Zion, I mean, obviously the two rookie of the year candidates. I mean, you could argue which one's been better this year. It's 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 very close. But I'm going with the Pelicans winning this game close over the Grizzlies. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna take the Pelicans. Um, you know, the way they kind of ended two kind of that um when they got Zion back. Uh two of the best, you know, again, the two best rookies in the game right now, and John Morant and Zion Williamson, um, the former AU teammates used to play 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 with each other, which is crazy. But um, you know, I, I think the Pelicans have a have a little bit more um with Ingram as well. Um, you know along Zion's side. I think, I think they do enough to get by this one just because, you know, as you're saying, it's such a big game for the Pelicans to cheat and get to get the Grizzlies and, and to catch them for that number eight seed. So I, I do have the Pelicans as well in this one. Last game, uh, and Dame got his wish. We got, you got a chance to make the playoffs, but this is one of these games you got to win if you want to make the playoffs because the Rockets play the Trailblazers on Tuesday night. And I think this is a close competitive game but I'm going to take Westbrook and Harden to take down Dame Lillard. And I got the Rockets winning close. Yeah, I, I got, you know, I get the Rockets win this one. This one should be a shootout. Both teams gave up over 115 points, um, you know, before the lockout or for the shutdown. So I, it's going to be a high scoring one. Some of the best guards in the game, Westbrook and Harden versus Lillard and McCollum. So it, this should be a fun one. It's going to be a high scoring one. Um, but I think the Rockets um, are going to be able to do enough to get by the Clipper, or I mean, by the Trailblazers. Yes, yes. So it should be interesting. I'm really pumped up for this week. NBA is back, back for the first time in four and a half months. Got some really, got some really, really good matchups uh, this week. So I'm really excited for it. And I mean, I, I'm really excited to watch these games. And and hopefully we have a great weekend of NBA. Yeah, yeah, same. Um, been four and a half months. Um, been a while, but you know, it, this should be fun. These. For, you know these these week you know the the two the two weeks at um, before the actual playoffs 
um, you know, kind of how this kind of format works and, and seeing, you know, how fun it is. But it, it should be a good few weeks before playoffs gear up. Absolutely. So we're going to wrap up the talk show. I know we don't talk a lot of hockey on this show, but we're going to wrap up the show talk about hockey because our Rangers are playing in the playoffs, starting the playoffs on Saturday. And obviously locally, we've got the Bruins who are trying to battle for that number one seed in the Eastern Conference. So the Rangers uh, start the playoffs on Saturday, playing the Carolina Hurricanes in a best of five series. I think it's a, a pretty interesting series. I think the Rangers are the better goal scoring team. I mean, with, uh, with Chris Kreider, with Mika Zibanejad, with, uh, and obviously with, uh, uh, with Panarin as well. I think they're the better goal-scoring team. I mean, they, the, the, the Hurricanes have Aho, and they got Dougie Hamilton. Dougie, I think Dougie Hamilton leads uh, all defensemen in goals scored this year. I, I, I thought I saw that. I thought I saw that stat. So this should be an interesting series. I mean, Rangers, 23rd in goals allowed. We all know Hendrick Lundqvist was his kind of fastest prime. Uh, the uh, Rangers are fifth in goals scored, so they're they're going to be uh, they need they need their they need their offense to carry them. I mean, and then you look you look at the Hurricanes. They pretty much. Are they? Are, do they really have that much of an identity? Are they an offensive team? Are they a defensive team? I mean, they're 11th in, in goals scored and, and 11th in goals allowed. So, as we know, the Hurricanes last year got to the uh, conference finals, lost to the Bruins, had that huge upset over the Lightning in the first round, and then they uh, upset the Bruins. So, this is a very, very interesting series. But as a Ranger fan, I know I'm a little biased. I mean, I'm not a huge – I mean, the Rangers definitely, out of the four major teams, are clearly four out of four. But as a Ranger fan, I'm probably going to take the Rangers to win it in a close series. Yeah, um, and I think the Rangers are going to get it in five. Now, the Rangers are actually 4-0 this year against the Hurricanes. So they oh, really? had their number. Um, but, yeah, the Ra- you know, Carolina's a pretty evenly um, even team. You know, I, compared to the Rangers who are, you know, they, they got a score to be able to win. Um, the interesting thing, too, is in, in that um, Igor, I, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his last name. It's like uh, – Shirokin, something like that, something like that. I probably butchered it. Um, but it's not, you know, it's between kind of him and Lundqvist right now, and they haven't announced it. The interesting, you know, the thing I'm, you know, again, being a Ranger fan, I want to see Lundqvist get that. I Look, I, I don't think the Rangers are going to win a um, Stanley Cup this year, but um, I, I really want to see Lundqvist get one. The thing is, it, it, Lundqvist gets benched here or, you know, could even get maybe scratchers talking. And maybe gets a start game two or game three. I think it's a huge advantage for the Rangers because if you get an angry Henrik Lundqvist, he is tough to beat. So um, I, I think you know the Rangers are be able to have enough. Again, they're and I think the future is really bright. I like David Quinn. I like the Panarin signing. Um, they're the second youngest team heading in the bubble at 25.7 years old and the Blackhawks are 25.6 as the young. Yeah, because they after like in the 18th season they started to rebuild the team. Yeah, it, it took a while but um yeah, I like the direction this this team's in and you know, playing right now and I think the future's bright and I think you know next year I think they'll be a top 8 in the East. I know that um but it should be fun. I think the Rangers will squeak this one out, but it should be a fun series. Absolutely. So we'll go over to the Bruins and the Bruins are kind of in a playing in a round robin tournament for the, uh, for the number one seed with the flyers, the lightning and the uh, capitals for, for that number one seed. And the Bruins have had a, I mean, Bruins have had a great year. They're the number one seed in the Eastern conference last year. They are the defending Eastern conference champions. Uh, Tuka Rask has had a great year. I think he's, uh, he, he's, the top goaltender in goals allowed. So Tuka's had a great year for them. I mean, obviously they got guys who've been there a while, Brad Marchand, uh, David Krejci, uh, 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 David Pasternak's pretty good as well. So obviously, Zdeno Char is still there. He feels like he's been playing for the Bruins forever now. So 
they start their round robin tournament against the Flyers on on uh, on Sunday, and we don't actually we'll be we'll we'll be back on the air before they have their next game against the Lightning and the Capitals. But out of these four teams, because I'm you know I'm not a huge hockey guy, out of these four teams, who do you think is the biggest threat to the Bruins to be the number one seed? I definitely don't think it's the Flyers. I think the Flyers are clearly four out of four of those top four teams. But between the Capitals, the Lightning, and the Bruins, who is that top four team? My guess would be the Lightning would be the biggest threat. You know, it, that's hard because I, I, um, the Lightning Caps, I think, are pretty even. Um, well, I was, but I was looking at the Caps that are like 18th in goals allowed. The Lightning were like eighth. Yeah, you know, I think that's kind of the big difference. And I know Hopi's got a ton of experience, and he's kind of been very up and down in the playoffs. Again, I think when you got Alexander Ovechkin at your top line, yeah, that's like that's the best player in the game. Yeah, you know, I think it's a huge burr because we've kind of seen the Lightning kind of crumble the last few years in in the playoffs. Which kind of concerned me. I know that they used to kind of be the Capitals, but now they they've been better of late. Um, I, I you know it's tough with the Lightning's youth, and again just the Cavs with um with Ovechkin. Um, but I you know and I think the toughest one. I think the toughest matchup for them is probably the Lightning because of the youth. I know um, Pastor and I has been great, um, but again they got a lot of older guys. That have been there forever. It seems like um, Patrice Bergeron, um, David Krejci, Chara. Um, so I think it kind of could be the Lightning's youth. It kind of could be the thorn in their side. But um, that you know the Bruins have been great this year, um, and then the Flyers. The Flyers, yeah, definitely the fourth. And they they they've been a major surprise. I did not see this coming from the Flyers. I thought they'd finish probably maybe an eight seed, maybe. Um, They've had a great year, but I, I, you know, they're probably, they are the fourth, but I, I'd say the lightning are probably the biggest thorn in the Bruins. Yeah. I mean, we know about the lightning. They've been knocking on the door for the last probably eight or nine years. They just haven't been, I mean, they were been in the conference finals like four, four or five times in the Stanley cup once lost to the black Blackhawks. So they've, they've been knocking on the door for years. They just haven't been able to get it done. Yeah. And this is definitely kind of now or time where you can get it. Um, where everybody's been now shut down for four months. It's kind of a big reset. I think this is definitely kind of a year where the Lightning can get it because, you know, again, in a few years, this window is probably going to close. I know, um, especially for some of the Rangers guys that they got, like at McDonough. Um, yeah, they're like the Rangers South now. Yeah, they are. They've gotten four or five from yeah. the past. So some of their, their um, windows are closing, but – um, I, I definitely think this is a lightning team that wants vengeance from last year's playoffs where the Hurricanes pretty, you know, uh, dominated that series. So um, I could definitely see the lightning come out of the East. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, this, this round robin is going to be interesting. A little bit unfair to the Bruins because they were the number one seed before the pandemic. But and, you, you got you to make sure these teams are still playing. You can, and especially in the, in the NHL, you can't have the number one seed be, be rusty because – like say the Rangers, if they end up being the 11 seed and say that they were playing the Brewers as the one seed, it's not like the NBA one eight where it's pretty much a mismatch. The 11 seed could beat the one seed in a hockey series. We saw that last year with the Hurricanes and the Lightning. So the round robin might be unfair to the Bruins, but it it keeps the Bruins it keeps the Bruins fresh for the playoffs. Yeah, it does, and that and that's kind of huge because the Bruins are up 10 points on second place, which is the Lightning. So, um, you know, so they pretty much had. The one seed pretty much locked up at that point. Really, it was you know, it, you know, COVID, but they didn't have the COVID shutdown. Um, but yeah, um, it's 
you know, it's going to be interesting to see how the four coaches in both, you know, the East and the West kind of manage their players here. Cause um, again, I don't think it's going to be very, cause the thing is you're playing for the one seed, but it's kind of, it's kind of like it. It really doesn't matter. Cause you're not getting home ice. Yeah. So, you know, do, do guys come out here? Is it like a really physical series guys wanting to get that one seed or is it kind of, all right, let's just get our legs wet here for, you know, and, and kind of, um, get back to game mode here. Um, it, it's going to be very interesting. I think maybe like that, the third game that all those teams play, uh, you know, depending on where kind of how teams do, if they're two, two, two and oh, two, you know, versus two and oh. Um, but you know, that's like the interesting part. I know the Bruins play the Blue Jackets, you know, Thursday night for, you know, for a scrimmage. I think the Rangers play the Islanders tonight. So both teams are going to have like one kind of scrimmage under their belt before they actually play. But, it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, the Bruins should take care of the Flyers, but Tampa and, and um, the Caps, they've kind of been up and down li- lately against those two. So um, it's going to be interesting how coaches manage those games. Because um, you don't want anybody getting hurt before the real one, but you also want them fret. You also want them getting them back skating and playing in game mode against somebody else. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just going to be interesting to see how it ends up going. I mean, I'm just interested to see what happens. I'll, I'll be definitely tuned into the Rangers on Saturday. Oh, yeah. So that's going to wrap it up on sports talk with R and J uh, for, for Justin Afrio. I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking more about the NBA games in the bubble in Orlando. Have a great weekend, everybody.